we are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point Number 9 of Tennis Bets Podcast. I'm one of two hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on X, I guess, and all the socials these days. If this is your first time listening, chance starts how you found us. Welcome in. Hello. If you're a returning listener, returning champion, thanks for coming back. I'm taking this from California to Canada to welcome in Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand. At Tibbetts Tennis, he writes for the Action Network, betting expert, Hammer HQ. He does tennis form recaps, and I believe he's in charge of Atlanta this week. Sean, welcome in. Yeah, let's get uh, let's get some uh, some tennis talk. We always kick off with our accountability segment. It's called What Did We Win? What Did We Learn? And we, we did some winning last time. Pedro Cachin versus Ramos and Gestad over 22 that hits also talked up to Kachin money line plus 163 laid the two and a half with Juan Pablo Vareas versus Bagnus Sebastian Offner money line that came in for us uh, bouncing around sites uh, from last week those all cash for us outright John you said it was going to be rude and Rublev in the final of Boschow and uh, it was I ended up playing Rublev on the day at plus 135, a nice little pickup for me. Newport, you called Alex Mickelson as a dark horse who made it into the final. Gestad, we did not have Kachina Ramos. And then let's pivot to the what did we learn? The losses and my JPV call goes down. Our Wawrinka call goes down in Gestad. But we did pass on the Moonar match. Other losses include uh, Alex Zverev beat Tiago Montero so bad it's like he thought the accusations would go away if he did so he crushed our set one money line and over 20 and a half play we talked about backing yannick hoffman versus hamad medjedovic and medjedovic i mean he crushed hoffman in, in that match and then we talked up mutet to beat isner in newport and that did not come in isner caused mutet to go haywire a little bit in that match also i went to the ultimate tennis showdown john here in los angeles and i would recommend I described it as it's tennis meets the all-star weekend plus wrestling flair. So it was a weird hodgepodge, but there was a pretty good competition. I have to say that. I mean, I've never been one for, for all-star games. Um, it, the NHL one will be here in Toronto next year. Uh, and I'm not even interested in, I might, maybe if I get a free ticket from someone I know, but other than that, I wouldn't, even if I was offered face, face value, I wouldn't take them. So like, that's not my thing. Uh, exhibition. I just, I can't care about exhibition stuff, but I get that Marotic who's trying to do something to, to bring in non, non-normal tennis fans, which I guess I can applaud. Uh, there was a lot of kids there. So hopefully the, they were scioned a little bit to walk out of that stadium and, uh, watch some other tennis. So thought that was pretty cool. All right, John, well, that was last week. Let's turn the page to this week and talk about these three sites we have going right after I talk about Spotify for podcasters. All right, John, let's kick it off with the ATP Hamburg in Germany. A little tournament overview at the Hamburg European Open uh, event. Dates back in some form all the way back to 1892. So it stood the test of time through some stuff in Germany, John. Some things have happened over there since 1892. Uh, But this tennis tournament is still around. Uh, It was a 1,000 event. From 1990 to 2008, but it's been a 500 since 2009 and 2021. This became a combined men's and women's event for the first time. Recent winners include defending champion Lorenzo Musetti, who rolled today against Elias Emer. He somehow managed to overcome a blown set two to outlast Carlitos Alcaraz in three in the final last year. Pablo Carina Busta won in 2021. 
versus Filip Krajinovich. Andre Rublev beat Stefano Tsitsipas in 2020. I believe that was just ahead of the French Open in the fall that year after the restart post-pandemic. Nico Basilashvili won the two years for that. Nadal's won this twice in the past. Federer four times. No elevation. John, what's your general Homburg thoughts? This week it's going to play at like a 250, right? It's basically the the fields from Gestad and Bostad coming together. <laughs> really, when you think about it, like you're, I think the top five were all in Bostad last week, right? Musetti, Rublev, Rude. Was that Chaveri there as well? That's the top. That's the top six. Verev. Yeah, pretty much everybody that's playing that was a top seed was in. Bostad, Kichmanovich, I believe, comes from Gestad. So Hompman comes from Gestad. It's basically a, a 250 masquerading as a 500. Or at least a really good 250, because Bostad did have a lot of top-end quality. But, I mean, it's going to be a, a big, almost a repeat of last week in a lot of ways. Um, so, drawn who fared well. I mean, I guess you don't have... Hamburg has, has fared better for quicker for players that like quicker courts than most clay court tournaments, despite not being at elevation. So keep that in mind, but I I don't know if there's anything to the fact that it's it's I don't know if like you know you can't guarantee whether it's faster or not. So keep that in the back of your mind, but also just remember like this is pretty much the same a, a combination of the two fields we had last week. Sedundulo as well, I think was in Bostad, right? Francisco. Uh, yeah, he was the defending champion. He did not defend that. Weather wise, rain is on the horizon. Uh, like the entire time, uh, we've already seen some suspensions, so that could uh, add some uh, some heaviness. To oh, the conditions. Go ahead. That's a good point, too. They have a roof on center court, at least center, right? Because there's been a few matches that have been played under a closed roof while it's been raining on the outer courts. So, again, conditions-wise, keep that in mind for uh, order of play on center court each day. Sorry. No, it's great. Good to know. Big headlines so far. I mentioned Musetti won as the defending champion. Uh, Luca Van Ash gets another tour-level clay win versus Countryman Muller. Gera surprises in straight sets as a dog versus Tomas Echeverry. Daniel Altmaier and Gasquet played a completely drunk straight set match that goes to the German. Uh, Max Martyr backed up his challenger title with a, a main draw win here at a, a full tour event. Gareen covers after dropping the first set. Well, let's let's dip into some draw talk here, John. Kasper Ruud is the top seed, as uh, you, you mentioned. Rublev is the two seed on the bottom half of this draw. Man, you are 100% correct, and this is basically a redux of last week, or a remix, if you will, with this draw. Anyone sticking out to you as a a potential dark horse here? I mean, I feel like Rude and Rublev should continue to roll this week unless they randomly dump. It would be odd if they didn't or if they, you know, planned a dump out week or or tank week, which they won't, just because it's a 500, and like if you're going to do that, you may as well do it in Bosta, like the the week prior, and, and take your bigger prize money and, and more points here i think they're both fit enough to play back-to-back weeks obviously rude I, st- I don't think he's i still don't think he's won titles above the 250 level i'm not sure though i think he's got 10 now so uh maybe at least one of those is a 500 but despite having a couple slam finals i'm still pretty sure the vast majority of all his titles have come at the 250 level so like here you go casper go get this this is this is a combination of two 250 fields okay like you could do this and um, I'm almost kind of rooting for it. I don't know if I if I would like predict that he's going to do it or would bet. I certainly wouldn't bet on it um, off of uh, a previous long week here. But I mean, Garin and then probably Kachmanovic or Fields is not exactly the toughest route on clay. And then who? I mean, David Oshokino, who's been, I mean, for all intents and purposes, especially for the game quality he has, terrible this season. And Alex Zverev, who continues to beat guys that he should and not do it in the most convincing fashion. And then 
then lose to better players. I mean, Casper should make, at the very least, the semifinals here. You can make a case that, you know, the top-end talent here is just so much better than... Oh, sorry, the final again. He should make at least the final in Hamburg. There's just not a whole hell of a lot of resistance, at least that I see in this draw for him in the top half. So, I mean, uh, unless one of them, I, I can't see why they would tank out, but Kovalik, Muzetti, Jere, Peya, Hoinski, Zhang, Altmaier, Serundolo, or Hoffman. I mean, outside of Frank Serundolo, who the hell's stopping Andre Rublev from making this an overwhelming likelihood that these two meet up again in the final? Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, with you. Uh, Green, I think in the in the next round, if we get, I mean, Baez is a tough round, first round matchup for Rude. Uh, only in that we, you know, we've seen a, a a top end from Baez at these clay tournaments that can compete at a very high level. Uh, I think Rude probably gets through there with relative ease. But that is, you know, off a long week last week, taking on a player like Baez that could be a tricky spot, and then Green. Uh, in the next round, you know, Green, he's a, a player whose level is all over the place, but we have seen him rattle off wins at clay tournaments like this uh, in the past, uh, usually through three sets because uh, he, he's never straightforward. But after that, I agree. I mean, like no one from the bottom half uh, of Rude's side of the bracket uh, scares me once he gets through those two matches. So his biggest roadblocks are started this thing, in my opinion. And, and when with Rublev, yeah, I agree. I mean, Altmaier. You know, we've seen him, he took down center. We've seen him take down a big name before if Rublev gets through here. But then, yeah, I guess it would be Sarundalo. I mean, Musetti, I think, I feel like Musetti has kind of course corrected from his early season stumblings and is someone who on the day, especially if like Rublev randomly gets upended by Altmaier, if it's like Musetti, Sarundalo, I could see Musetti getting through. But yeah, I mean, Rublev is, he's been playing well. I, I feel like Rublev, under the radar a lot better than it used to be. A backhand is pretty good. Less errors. A little more mentally stable. So it's going to be tough to to take him down. All right, John. Let's talk some some match play. We have a couple matches we can talk about for tomorrow. Well, let's talk about Andre Rublev. He's a five and a half game favorite. Minus seven hundred, and the total is twenty. It gets Zapata Morales. These guys have never played. I want to talk about set one money lines here john i feel like the set one money line underrated and maybe the most plus ev bet you can make in this sport plus 305 just for the first set rublev off a long week i feel like there's some value i mean rublev is not someone who is unafraid of losing a first set now obviously he can completely destroy zapata out of nowhere but at plus 305 what do you think about that sprinkle See if maybe Rublev does uh, have a little hangover from last week. Uh, I just think Rublev's leagues above anything Bernabe does. It's it's banking too much on on that, and there's not enough in within the game for me to to think that he wins that set more than once in four. That's a pretty generous. That's a lot of respect, actually, when you think about it for Bernabe. I mean, he doesn't do anything that really troubles Andre Rublev. So to say he wins it twenty five percent of the time is almost. I think it's probably overbaked a potential letdown spot for Rublev already. I think that's that's well priced into to anything here. I just I I don't think he he can grind down Rublev. Rublev doesn't make the errors he used to make. Rublev is relatively, I mean, I don't want to say one-dimensional, but relative to the rest of the top 10, he doesn't have all that many dimensions to his game, but that's relative to other top 10 players, not relative to Bernabe Zapata Mirais, who just doesn't do anything all that well. I I just I think that's plenty of respect for for the Spaniard in this spot, I, 
305 is just a tick under 25%, right? It's about 24 point something, eight, nine percent. I'd probably leave that alone. Is this a match uh, you're passing on? Uh, the total is uh, 20 here. Yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not touching anything to do with Andre Rublev against these guys. I mean, five and a half in men's tennis is even on clay is just way too much to ask for a cover. But I mean, that's also only three breaks of serve. Uh, you'd really need to, to have Bernabe break it at least once, maybe twice to keep that within within reach. Any any set one by a double break and you're you're pretty much in the toilet there by by Rublev. So now I the like the, the heavy favorites in tennis, I just generally don't bother unless I'm fading them. And I'm certainly not fading Rublev with uh, with Bernabe in this spot. It's just it's too it's too weak of a draw to have Rude and Rublev just run rough shot. It's why these tournaments like Boshta and, and Hamburg have been so disinteresting because it's just so top heavy. Like I, you can't even fade these guys. Like, do you give Bernabe more than fifteen to twenty percent chance to win this match? I don't. You know what I mean? I I think five and a half is fine. Five maybe is the proper spread. That sure, that's a, a an important half game as as you get up in, into the higher numbers. But like, it's it's just so the difference for me is so minuscule that it, it's just worth not even looking at Rublev and rude matches when they when they're so when they're leaps and bounds better than the rest of the fields in these clay court events. If you were going to chase Zapata, I do think that the first set would be the place to do it. All right, we're a little bit hamstrung with Hamburg because. <laughs> A lot of the matches are being played and uh, when we had time to record, so we don't have the sexiest matchups to talk about for match play before this will drop. Laszlo Gera, four-game favorite against Guido Pea. He's minus 275 on the money line. Pea's plus 220 as the dog. Total is 22 here. Anything for you in this matchup, John? I'd consider Guido Pea. I think he's shown that he's a lot closer to being back to where he used to be than than I think the market is giving him credit for. He's picked up several wins here uh, in recent times. His game is starting to look better. And more importantly, his fitness is starting to, like, on-court fit. I mean, he's never been, you know, out of shape or or whatnot. It's just that I think the lack of the high-intensity match play was costing him as matches wore on or as weeks wore on. At first, I mean, it, he was gone for a long, long time, right? He doesn't have, like, a serve bot style like Anderson or around it to conserve that energy and just hide behind, you know, that, that one tool that, that you have in the toolbox. So I think he has to build that, that endurance back up. And I, I'm pretty sure he's proven that he's done that. And again, his game is starting to come back closer to where it was. I wouldn't say he's back at his peak, but I mean, as he continues to inch closer and closer and get better and better, I just don't think that we should be looking at him like a, as a plus 225, 227 underdog against someone like Lazo Jerry, good clay quarter, Decent, like decently strong serve, respectable forehand, but nothing that blows you away. Nothing that's, you know, that sets him apart from any other top 30 to top 50 clay court player, right? And that's exactly what Peya has been in the past. And that's what he's working his way back to. So I think this is a lot closer than, than um, the current money line would indicate. Yeah, you could argue a little bit of an overreaction to the win over Echeverry. I mean, you consider that Jera got bageled by Zizou Bergs uh, last week. Uh, his level certainly all over the place. Uh, I mean, it was a tough spot last week coming back on the clay from grass. So uh, I will throw that caveat on there. But I definitely don't think this is an insurmountable task for for Paya to be competitive in this match versus Jera. Jera also a slow starter. Uh, I I always like to to say another set one money line plus one seventy five. I would uh, that's a little little smaller than I would like, but. What wouldn't shock me if Payas uh, takes down the first set 
All right. Well, unfortunately, those are the only matches we have lines up for uh, at the moment. So let's pivot to Croatia. ATP Umag, the Croatia Open and Umag Croatia has been held since 1990. It's a 250 clay event that, that had a star-studded final last year with Yannick Sinner taking out Carlitos Alcaraz in three sets. That was a weird one. That was the start of that run where Alcaraz had some issues converting break points. This year's draw, not as star-studded. A lot of people have pulled out. I saw Runa pulled out and uh, was supposed to be here. Definitely a depleted field. Compared to years past, other recent champs include Alcaraz in 2021 when he beat uh, Richard Gasquet for his first title. So that's something. Uh, he joined uh, Dusan Leovich, Marco Cecchinato, Rublev, Fabio Fanini, Dami Team as recent winners. Uh, those are recognizable names, but just like uh, the other clay tournaments of this ilk, the other side always up for grabs, especially this week. Center court here is named after Goran Ivanistovich who was on Novak Djokovic's team, legendary player. Thought I'd toss that nugget out there. Weather-wise, it's going to rain. Rain Wednesday and this weekend. Already had some delays. I, is, I feel like it's already delayed today, unless they are starting this whole order of play at almost 5 o'clock Umag time. Well, they always... No, they're a nighttime start. They're like Cabo. Even when it's not raining, they, they start always in the, in the afternoon. It's it's actually pretty nice. It's like Palermo with the women. They do that. The heat of summer too. I mean, they're right on the ocean, but this is something that a lot of vacation towns do uh, is they'll start later. I think Bosta started an hour later than most events do as well. They started at noon local, maybe even 1 p.m. local. It's a common theme in the summer months uh, with some of these events. No elevation, so it's going to be typical slow clay conditions. Uh, am I right in that assessment, John? Usually, yeah. Big headlines so far. Uh, Marin Cilic returned to the tour, lost in straight sets to Flavio Caboli. Alec- Alexi Poprin added another clay dub uh, to his resume. Dami Team made short work of Bagnus. I cashed the set one money line plus 225 with 17-year-old Martin Landalucci, Landalucci versus Terry Daniel. A play inspired by you, Mr. Reed, talking him up on other episodes in the past. So, pays to listen to your own co-host. Thank you, John. Tarot Daniel won in three, though. French boys champ and Croatian native Dino Prismic picked up his first ATP win. And quite frankly, he's live in his part of the draw, I think. Uh, so let's talk out this draw, John. Uh, Yuri Leshka is the top seed on the bottom. Lorenzo Sinego. Sinego flamed out pretty quick last week. Other seeds include Offner at three. Oof. And Carbias Benia at four. So, yeah, reinforcing the depleted draw uh, narrative I was spinning. There you go. Man. What about Dominic Team here? If he if he can beat Laheshka, tall task. But, I mean, if he beats Laheshka, there's, uh, I, I feel like he's probably got a pretty good shot to get through this thing. I don't know uh, the last time he won five matches in a row was. Was it two years ago, three years ago? I think he had that mini run last year around this time i think he went like seven and three like in july or, or like this time of year last year he was like seven and three so that's that's a court that's averaging quarterfinals though right yeah let's see he made it, the antwerp semis it's still just three wins he honed semis last year that's still just three wins a challenger final i made the gestad semis so i mean he has won more than three matches at a main tour stop in quite some time uh, he's got points to defend now though right I guess Gestad, was that this last year, end of the 23rd? That was last week, last year as well. So he's got Kitzfield quarters to defend. 
a challenger final, which I think was a hundred points for the winner. So like 60 or so there. And then he's got some late season points. He's got to start finding some form. He could do it here. I mean, this is his preferred surface and it is a draw that is as weak as like Antwerp and Gijon. Maybe he can hopefully make a quarter semi, but I'm not putting any money on him to win an event uh, until I see he can win more than three at a, a main tour stop. John, what about the youngster? Dino Prismich. Not enough game yet to win an ATP Tour title. He he's I, actually struggled of late because he he does he has no power. He's added a bit of aggression to his forehand, but he's still a long, long way from being even a Carbaez Baena. Put it that way, right? So, no RCB. I mean, this is a, a great setup for a player like him to to do something on the the bottom half here. Marrakesh was a a site that he excelled at. This has Marrakesh vibes uh, to me. Any players uh, sticking out to you as uh, dark horses here, uh, as this is uh, about as wide open as it gets? Yeah, I mean, this is why I like, at these events, I like dark horses, because legitimately anyone can almost beat anyone. There's no dominant force in this draw. Not Yuri Lehechka, who at at the top of his game could be, but hasn't strung together more than two or three matches at the top of his game more than once or twice all season. Uh, Sonego... Solid, like very good player, strong serve, strong forehand, not a great backhand. He's comfortable on the surface. Like he's he ticks a, a lot of the boxes, but I like Fabian Marichon. I think that first match against Juan Manuel Sedundul is eminently winnable just because uh he's got all the offensive capabilities there and he's still very he's still decent on return. He's done more at tour level than Juanma. And frankly, Juanma's success has almost all come against like challenger tour competition, and not just challenger tour competition, but primarily, I mean, for the most part. Challenger Tour competition in South America where it's it tends to be weaker. So I just I don't think he's got enough um to stop Marishan there. And then again, Ramos Vignolas and Munar are again two very beatable players. He'd have to stay somewhat consistent from the baseline because they're gonna make hit a ton of balls. And hopefully he would have the sense to come in or drop shot when he's when he is able to push them behind the baseline. But again, a, a winnable match, certainly. I like that call. He certainly has been working towards uh, making a splash like this, Marishan. I know a lot of people uh, are hot on Matteo Arnaldi. I believe the Bet Rivers guys uh, are on him to do something in this. Uh, Arnaldi is certainly another guy who's been working to make a splash in an event like this. So here's my thing from that perspective is I don't, I don't mind Arnaldi as a breakthrough candidate here, but when you're talking about betting, he was 11 or 12 to one, depending on your book. Okay. Marishan, I got it. 20 to one. So I'm getting a way better price. They're both good behind their, their, they both have decent serves. They both have aggressive forehands. They both prefer clay. They both have impressed us at the main tour level at some point. I think both in Rome, right? Didn't Arnaldi really look good against Goffin? And of course we know, we know what Marishan did beating Alcaraz. Um, but I mean, you know, I wouldn't say either has more of a, a, a tour level pedigree at this point than the other. And I would say again, I, I kind of like Marichon's a little bit more. I think, you know, you don't have, I'd rather take on a, a Sinego on a decent day than a Lehechka when he's having a decent day. If I'm going to have to take one of them on in a quarterfinal, which you would, which you would either way. I also think that Sinego is eligible to be upset. It's more likely he's upset by Shevchenko than team upsets Lehechka. I know the market actually likes team's chances there. I'm not so sure. And I, like I said, I just think that Marishan's in the easier half has 
uh, a nicer path and you get a way better price than you would have on Arnaldi. All right, well, let's dip into some match play talk because we actually have some some pretty decent matches to talk about. Uh, Yuri Lahashka, as we mentioned, the top seed here, he is minus 155 on the money line. Dummy team is plus 130 as the dog. The spread is two. Total is 22 and a half. These guys have never met. This will be Laheshka's first clay match since losing to Lucas Klein on June 8th at the challenger level. Team has been playing clay. This will be his fourth match. So he's got some some clay, uh, some clay work under his legs coming into this one. What do you think about uh, Dami's chances here? For me, well, I mean, I've been terrible of late, or at least the, my picks have been losing uh, steadily. I still believe in my price evaluation, and I, I'm Lehechker pass here. I don't think there's a chance I would take Dominic Team under plus 140 or plus 150. Um, he's just, who's he beaten? Like, there's been no sign that Dominic Team is is coming back to his old form, and he's starting to get priced up with more and more respect, and I think it's ridiculous that he continues to do so. He's won how many matches in the last two months? Two? He beat Kaiuchi Uchida. I, he's like a, a challenger tour scrub on his preferred hard courts, let alone on clay, and it was four and four. And then he beat Alex Mueller. That's it. And Oh, I guess this week we have to count Bagnus as well. He's got three wins since March or May 13th. That's two and a half months. Like, Mute beat him down pretty easily, especially in that second set. He was favored against Kachin, which was ridiculous. The French Open loses that in five. Loses to Pedro freaking Martinez. Loses to Stefano Travaglia. You push Stefano Tsitsipas on grass. I guess congratulations. Like, that's an accomplishment, maybe. Not really. He's not good on grass. And, like, Hamad Medvedevich beat you. I just, I don't know. And, again, team was a favorite there. And, to me, it's, it's just indicative, like... The market just can't seem to understand that he's not back to where he used to be. He was a dog to Medvedevic and Mauthausen, or he was a huge favorite against Medvedevic and Mauthausen, lost. Huge favorite against Mute and Bordeaux and lost. Favorite against Kachin, lost. Favorite against Martinez, lost. Massive favorite against Travaglia, lost. Massive favorite against, or relative, or sorry, big favorite against Medvedevic again, lost, lost again. I mean, He's so consistently lost as a favorite. It's not a trend anymore. It's just a pure and simple. The market is overvaluing him. And name one player there who is even remotely close to Lehechka's level. I just, I don't understand the love for Dominic team. I don't understand how you can justify him being plus 125. That is like a 40 to like in the 40 to 45% range. That's crazy to me that you'd have that anyone could have him at that number, let alone more likely than that number, right? Like if you're if you're betting him at plus one twenty, 120, plus one twenty five, you're legitimately saying he's nearing a, a, a coin flip in this spot. I don't think he's shown us that. I don't think there's anything in his game. I don't think his forehand is close enough to showing you that. I don't. I like. I can't. I, I can't do it. I'm actually probably going to be on Lahechka, and I hate that because I hate betting Lahechka as a favorite with how streaky he can be. But he's just so far clear of Dominic Team at this moment um, in time. It, it does seem like the fact that Lahechka hasn't played on clay seems to be. Maybe what's driving this, but yeah, Laheshka's down to Laheshka's down to minus one forty six uh, on Bet Online. If he's going to keep coming down, I I agree with you. I I do not want to take chase a team who's coming down on the money line. I mean, team's <laughs> going to win now. Team's going to win now, and probably from the set and break down. Like he like this is how it's been going. I've got four comeback, not even wins. One of the comebacks this month was a fucking push for me. Okay, and I've had sixteen blown leads from a set and break up. That's like a 20% positive to negative ratio. 
Like it's a, it's just a guarantee now that team's going to win from like six one or or one six one five love 40 triple match point down. He's going to come back and beat this kid. Like, it's just, it's so fucking frustrating. And like, there's nothing to suggest team should be played here. And yet the whole market's going to bet him and the whole market's going to run around with their stupid 10 emoji bullshit on Twitter, screaming about how they knew it was going to happen. It's like, no, you didn't because no one who watches the fucking sport could, would have said this is going to happen more than 40% of the time. Anyway, it's just, I'm fucking frustrated. I hate this sport sometimes. Well, John, in my opinion, you're one of the best in the biz, and uh, I appreciate uh, your analysis on a day-to-day basis, bud. So that was spurned by Silly Nyef officially collapsing. By the way, when she had six three five three and six three six five thirty forty match point, losing in three. So that's where that rant came from. If you're wondering why did he get so mad so quickly, uh, we talked about uh, Carbeas Benya. <laughs> He's taking Ontario Daniel. And on Bet Online, you can get a minus 113. This is basically pick. And I just watched Taro Daniel lose a set to a 17 year old on clay. Uh, we have a traditional clay quarter in RCB. Daniel, not exactly uh, known for his prowess on the surface. Uh, what am I missing here, John? Anything or just a bad pricing? Uh, well, he retired last week. So there's that. Okay. See, after getting his ass handed to him by by Vavrinka, he just quit. That could have been a quit, or it could have been an actual thing. So I think that's where, you know, you've got to wrestle with what what side you think is more likely that'll help determine your price point. Daniel did beat RCB at Indian Wells on a hard court, so I that even as gritty and slow as Indian Wells is, it's still a hard court, and that was actually when Terry Daniel was peaking a bit. RCB has won the clay as I mean, we're dipping back pretty far in the past, but in 2019, they played on clay RCB won six zero six one. So yikes. Yeah. I think uh, tennis injuries are always so hard to really wrestle with. I think I would take a shot on RCB here at the price. Now we have some money line movement on Sebastian Offner who is minus 175 on Bovada against Alexi Poprin, but on Bet Online he's minus 160. Uh, so about a 15-cent uh, reduction there. Uh, Poprin is plus 140 on Bet Online. He's plus 145 on Bovada. Uh, Poprin has been, actually was more impressive on clay than he was on grass uh, this in recent times. And Offner, as we talked about last time, uh, has been pretty impressive on both surfaces leading up to this. I hate betting Popper matches because he typically burns me, either as what I bet on him or against him. But if Offer's going to keep climbing down, I don't mind the money line here uh, in this matchup. Yeah, I, nothing. To, I'm not touching a Popper match. Fair, fair. All right, well, that's all we have up. Let's bring it to North America, John. The Atlanta Open. One of my faves. This hardcore 250 event was started in 2010 when it came over from Indianapolis. Since then, only an American or an Australian have won this event. Actually, only five men have won it since it began. Marty Fish twice, Andy Roddick once, Big John Isner six times, Nick Kyrgios and reigning champ Alex DiMenor won his second title in 2022, beating Jensen Brooksby. His first was in 2019. These are super quick Hardcore conditions, 
And I think the big thing here is the, the weather. Uh, it's going to be grueling. Almost 100 degrees this week. And the humidity will be in the high 60 percentage range. So the temp will feel like over 100, most likely. You're going to want to chase some fit players in this thing. Big headlines so far. I've been riding Lloyd Harris. This made me sweat, but keeps paying off. JJ Wolf crushed the qualifier. Easily covered as a five-game favorite. Gail Monfils, fresh from UTS, goes all the way up 4-0 in the third set tiebreak, but not enough against Tanasi Kokonakis. I'm sure Sebastian Baez is like, what the fuck? Shout out to Monfils' big French Open win. I chase Ethan Quinn set one money line plus 185 versus Alex Vukic, but he falls 7-5 in the breaker, goes down in straight sets. John, what are we thinking about this draw and these grueling conditions in Atlanta, John? We're running out of time, so we'll just do some draw talk. It's it's fun because, um, like, Vukic, they asked him about it, too. And, like, listening to some on-court interviews, if you have tennis TV, might be worth it because some players are going to like this stuff. Uh, no, it wasn't Vukic. Vukic didn't mind it. Pardon me. It was Lloyd Harris who liked it. That's from Australia where their summers get really hot, too. South Africa, like, there's, they're going to be fine with the heat. You're also going to get a lot of Americans who are going to play at night, right? They have night sessions here. Thank, thank you for that, Atlanta. I know Newport can't do it because of the grass and the dew, but it's appreciated. It doesn't congest the daytime stuff nearly as much, makes it less hectic. Should be an interesting tournament. I mean, we've already seen some pretty damn impressive performances. Kokonakis and Monfils put on a show on Monday night. J.J. Wolf looked really strong in his first match. Aggressive play. Found some control within his game. Now he played Jason Jung, and so he had a lot of time. Even on quick courts, he had time to set up his shots and, and you know, kind of unleash. So maybe he doesn't get that against, you know, a Cressy, for instance. But it, it should be a lot of fun. And I think the, the heat certainly comes into play. These courts are fast. I mean, whether you watch the matches on Monday, whether you look at the tournament history, or whether you look at previous winners and big servers, like, like you alluded to, and, you know, Isner had fared has fared really well here has a lot of crowd support as well they play quickly right ethan quinn is out but he outplayed vukic and like ethan quinn to me was someone when i did my scouting episode on him in the offseason i see he's got to add a lot of power now maybe he did at university this year we're still talking a five or six month time frame where even last week in newport his forehand wasn't that big and when he tried to dial it up he committed a lot of errors it looked like he was able to find a lot more control and they and yet still really find some big hitting on that forehand wing so I think the courts are really going to help some of those kinds of guys as well. If we take a look at the actual halves of the draw, I mean, that first quarter is loaded, like loaded. Shang Yun Chang taking on Ben Shelton. I mean, Thompson in form on a quick court against Kanish Corey, who's also built some form up, went down to the challenger tour, didn't come to the t t tour level right away, found his feet, built up that fitness. His footwork is still very strong and his game still looked very good down at the challenger level for the most part. And of course, Wuya Bing is in here as well. And there's a lot of talent in that first quarter. I would just avoid that in general. I have, we talked about this last night. You're not going to get this price because he's moved through his first match. Although his first match, he was such a heavy favorite that I don't think it's going to come down more than a few dollars, right? So I think 20 to 1, 22 to 1 on JJ Wolf was a nice price. You should still be able to find that uh, because, or, or close to it, like above 15, because he beat a guy when he was already a minus what thousand favorite. So, I mean, it shouldn't really impact it too much. But I like J.J. Wolf. He's in a fairly open section in the, in the second quarter. The guy with the bye in his section, you know, is an out-of-form Dan Evans, who's recently spoken about 
just not enjoying tennis, even in Britain, even on grass right now, because his game is so bad. And, uh, and I would say that is my, my only outright pick that I, that I have in pocket. Then you've got like an interesting bottom half, right? Like Alex Demonor is here. He likes quick conditions. Do him and coconut just get a night session? Who does that benefit? There's no American involved there. So even though they're both draws or they're both well-known names, Maybe they get a day session. Who does that benefit? I would say Demonor because his game plays up that much more. He likes quicker courts and he's the better returner that can deal with that that lack of time. Uh, and then a whole bunch of guys looking for some some form and resurgence. Like Ugo Bear should fare well in these conditions. Lloyd Harris showed that after the first set yesterday when he found his first serve, he fares well here. Alex Vukic, very plain, simple game and was outplayed in terms of you know dynamics or or who had the who had the more well rounded game, but. His serve and forehand were just so good that when he landed his first, it was nearly untouchable. All right, he saved all four break points he faced. He beat Ethan Quinn. Guys like that can really find success here. Um, so, you know, Chris Eubanks, another one to watch. Can he keep building on the success he had on grass? Yeah, I have Wolf uh, as well, and I have Shelton and uh, Wu Yibing uh, on an outright. I just, I, I want to attack the Fritz portion of the bracket. Because these conditions are, are not Fritz friendly. We've seen him, you know, uh, throw up from the conditions in Acapulco. We've seen him nearly pass out in DC. Uh, these grueling hot conditions, almost 100 degrees. Uh, it's going to be tough for Fritz, I think, uh, even as maybe, you know, the class of, of that part of the draw. But man, I watched him battle Wu Bing. Uh, over this weekend, and that's going to be a tough round two matchup uh, for Fritz. He already lost to him in Dallas uh, as well. And yeah, you mentioned Lloyd Harris. I'm 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 digging Lloyd. I, I've watched him a lot. I bet him in the the qualies. Now he has drop sets needed to pull uh, near miracles uh, out to get to this point, uh, but I do think the conditions favor him as well. And I wouldn't discount uh, Yoshi Nishioka uh, resurfacing. Uh, in this event, uh, as he typically uh, tends to fare a little bit better in quicker conditions. Certainly, the heat, I don't think, will be uh, a big deal for him. But I, I like Demon uh, to Alex Demonord. He's a two-time champ. The draw isn't insurmountable. I, I look for him to probably be in the final. Yeah, I was hoping for a better price because he was someone I, someone I had circled uh, with Kokonakis having retired last week and with having had Monfils in the first round. And then I, I don't, I think, you know, Harris and Umber are both guys that are going to like the conditions. I just don't know if they're well-rounded enough to to beat Demonor, especially because Demon can almost offset those big serves with some decent returning. And and like you said, has had success here in the past. We know he likes the conditions that lines up with his with his pedigree here in particular. Everything kind of clicks together and you're, you're 100% agree with you on that one. The draw, you'd rather be in this half than with, you know, J.J. Wolf who can hit through you. I mean, there's some guys who can serve through him, but, like, Wolf can do it from the baseline. He showed some patience last night. Shelton, you know, like, these more well-rounded big servers, like Wu and Shelton and Wolf, they're guys that are all in the opposite half of the draw that would have to get through Taylor Fritz anyway. So even if you face them in the final, you'd be like, thanks for taking Fritz out of the way. You know, it's like kind of a good draw, good history here, good favorable conditions for him. I agree. It's a, it's a very good look. I just I just wish I had had a better price on them. Oh, hundred percent. All right, John. Well, unfortunately, uh, not a lot of match play talk for us here as we kind of have to wrap it up. But I feel like we've provided a pretty good analysis of all three sites. 
any final thoughts on the week? Yeah, just hoping that uh, that hopefully I have fewer than 342 blown leads by the time I uh, we, we record next. I hope this that, week, I mean, 342 blown leads this week, not total. I hope for that as well. <laughs> uh, follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis, at Tibbetts Tennis. Follow us at MP9 Tennis. Do subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a like, a rating, a review even. Until next time, see you in the court.